The Bottom Line, weekdays 6 to 9 a.m. on Austin Sports Talk Leader, a.m. 1300 The Zone. Let's go! Dawn of a new day in the greatest city in America. Greatest college town in America. Salty. If you're going to be part of the... Oh, see, chip- when, but when you're gone, I don't, I don't oh, you don't do your bits. All right. You Austin, Texas. Back, Austin, Texas, that's where we are. Um, we love our college students. Oh, and then you just kill the music. Well, we... we- um, we, we didn't talk about this beforehand. Austin, Texas. Yeah, yeah we love our college students. Um, they they never leave. All right, my man Harge is uh, living in Austin, Texas, the hard way, baby. He is uh, stuck behind what appears to be a really, really bad accident on I-35. Actually, I think he's moving now, so he'll be here soon. Uh, and Godspeed to everyone on I-35, especially... Those involved in uh, what appears to be really, really bad um, wreck. Uh, it is a free-for-all football Friday. And, folks, um, the Big Ten, it's hard to make light of this situation because we're dealing with a global pandemic. But come on, Big Ten. Good God, can you have a little patience? Um. So the Big Ten yesterday uh, comes out and says, hey, we're playing conference-only football. That's what we're doing. And they didn't really, like, give all the other Power Fives a heads up. I mean, they talked, like, Bob Bowlesby, the Big 12 commissioner, said he talked to Commissioner Warren in the Big Ten yesterday. And Warren didn't say anything about making an announcement about playing conference-only football. And Iowa State plays Iowa. That would be Iowa State of the Big 12 playing Iowa of the Big 10. And West Virginia of the Big 12 is supposed to play Maryland of the Big 10 on September 19th. Those two games, apparently. And and the Big 10 is like, ah, we're, we're seen enough. We're going conference only. And I'm sitting there talking to multiple athletic directors across three Power Five conferences yesterday. Conferences not named the Big Ten. And listen, the the Big 12 and the SEC are going to try to be patient. But we have a perception problem with college football. Unlike the NFL where you have owners or the NBA where you have owners or Major League Baseball, where you have owners, the decisions in college football are made by presidents and chancellors whose lifelong mission has been about academics. Most, I think, now in the Power Five understand the importance of football. They understand the budget. um, And they understand how hard the athletic directors and their staffs have worked to try to come up with a plan that will keep student-athletes and their staffs as safe as possible while we coexist with this bleepity-bleep, bleepity-bleeping, bleepity-bleep COVID-19 pandemic. And look, we're living this, all of us, so there's no need to further explain how disruptive this has been, but... College football is on life support after this. And we got to hope that there's some serious heart paddles coming in the form of everyone 
wearing a mask around other people um, and slowing the, the spread of this so that we don't get into, um, you know, ch- presidents and chancellors getting ready to make a decision uh, any sooner than is necessary. And let me explain that. Because, look, I understand the the last thing or the least thing we need to be worried about is whether college football is played or not in the grand scheme of everybody's health and safety. But we're trying to coexist with this thing until there is a therapeutic or a vaccine. And everybody wants to believe that vaccine is right around the corner. We don't know. I mean, we hope. And that's part of the problem with we'll just move everything to spring just start football in January February or March um well it's clear that the power five conferences are not on the same page with regard to this because the big 10 uh jumped into conference only football uh for this season um but this is why you need a college football commissioner I've been saying that for 10 years and you've got to get rid of these conference commissioners because they're all working with different um, agendas. They, they're Larry Scott, the commissioner of the PAC 12 serves the, those schools presidents. Same as Bowlesby in the big 12 and Greg Sankey in the sec and John Swafford in the ACC. But when you have that, you have separate agendas, you don't have commonality, you don't have universality, you don't have unity. And that's what we need right now. Uh, I've said for years the Power Five needs to come together, collectively bargain, and work in one step, one mission. Uh, Because A, that's where the most money is, and typically in this country... Capitalism thrives and goes where the most money is to be made. I don't know what's going to get us there. I don't know if it's going to get there anytime soon, but we had a shining example yesterday of one of the Power Five conferences panicking, in my opinion, uh, and pulling the plug to a conference-only schedule. And some of you out there may say, oh, they all need to go to conference. They need to scrap this. Okay, slow down. We're getting more and more information by the day. We're trying to get a vaccine. We're trying to get a therapeutic. We're learning stuff. And we're also learning that people are coming back and they're being negative from their testing. Oklahoma came out with their numbers from their testing yesterday, and a lot of their players are negative. Yeah, I mean. So they they're Look, you rallying. Got, you got some players recovered and uh, and maybe not, maybe immune for two to three months. Right, right. We'll, we'll continue the conversation. We also are doing our Big 12 countdown worst to first. And we will uh, come back with Texas Tech's Matt Wells. We've got some disagreement today, so we'll be talking <laughs> about Texas Tech and Baylor finishing. At uh, numbers, you know, seven and eight in this conference. We'll get to it. Matt Wells next, right here on the bottom line. All right, let's go to the hotline. Uh, We are now uh, excited to be joined 
by the head football coach of the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Get your guns up. Matt Wells. Matt, how are you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? Well, this is not the spring football tour that we normally do with our Big 12 coaches, uh, certainly. But, um, I mean, talk about trying to find the positives uh, in in a situation, Matt. I'm sure you never expected in your life uh, to be coaching your team online. Um, you know, I guess, what, uh, what positive, if any, have you found in this situation or what, you know, how, how do you make this into a positive? No, oh, certainly. I think there's, there can be a lot of positives and it's not trying to be, you know, Peter positive and spin it and everything. I just, honestly, it's, it is not anything um, that I thought we'd be doing. Any of us, um, I never heard of zoom until <laughs> March 11th, I think, or March 12th. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think, first of all, I think we control our own response to everything in life. Um, and I think when adversity hits, and this is a, a, a form of adversity, maybe not at its highest level, but it's a form of adversity because it's something very, very unexpected as affecting every one of us in our personal lives as well as our professional lives and, and, and the players as well, right, college and their families. It's You, you have a a choice on how to respond to it. So I think there are several things that have come out of it very positive for Texas Tech football. And I do think our players um, have learned to deal with change uh, pretty good. Uh, I think it is the ultimate player accountability time right now. We talk about being accountable to your teammates and your team and the logo um, all year round. But right now, you're, you know, you're accountable to the guy in the mirror, first and foremost, on an everyday basis. Every one of us are, and so we can control that. So I think there's certainly some some really good things that have come out of it for Texas Tech. Coach Wells, thank you for joining us this morning. And I wanted to ask you this: You came in last year. You 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 made some changes, the offense and the defense, and everything started happening. And then during the off season, this pandemic hits. When you're looking for your leaders, I know you talked a little bit about it, but who can you single out as your leaders that is kind of taking this leadership role wisely? Well, I think it certainly um, exposes all of us, right? Right. Um, just in terms of, first of all, your personal accountability, and then how do you lead other people through a dadgum screen? <laughs> I mean, for real, right? <laughs> right. Um, FaceTime calls, Zoom calls. I know it has stretched us as coaches. And it's like, okay, figure it out, coach. And now you're asking a player to do that. And so I think that leadership role, um, I, I have seen it. I have seen forms of it. Um, but it's difficult for those guys. You know, there's certainly some older guys on both sides of the ball that have done a nice job of doing that, and they've handled themselves, first and foremost, Rico, Demarcus Fields, Rico Jeffers, Eli Howard, you know, to name just a few on defense, and there's certainly a couple more, I'm sure. Um, Dawson Deaton, Jack Anderson, a couple of veteran O-linemen are doing a nice job, Alan Bowman. Um, 
Jax Welch, uh, one of our special teams gurus, you know, kind of berserkers. <laughs> but those guys have done a nice job. But, gosh, dog, it's hard, you know. Um, for it's, it's hard for coaches. Right. And we're getting it done, and I think we're doing a good job. And our assistant coaches are doing a tremendous job. But um, now you're asking players to lead through a FaceTime text message, Zoom call, instead of the, the personal, emotional um, interaction face-to-face, which is uh, obviously a little bit easier, um, but it's uh, a little bit right now accountability. Talking to Matt Wells, head football coach at Texas Tech. And Matt, what gives you confidence right now that there will be a football season in 2020? Yeah, I, I do think it'll happen. I do have confidence. Um, all the Big 12 calls that we were on with the ADs and, and the head coaches in the last 10 days or so um, just gives me that confidence to hear people talk about how we can do it. Um, certainly there's a lot of layers to it, right, guys? Um, when you put it in state um, leaders, the governors, um, certainly all the health officials and the medical experts that are going to guide us in this decision, and then the different layers of the conferences and, and all of that. Um, I do believe this. Number one, I truly believe America needs college football. I truly believe that. But I truly think that we need to do it in the right way. So the And the priorities, I, I do believe, are in line after listening to every head coach and AD talk. And that's the safety of our players, um, our staff, our coaches, when we return. There's a lot of different steps to it, the, the, the schedule model, the return-to-practice model, and then you have the return-to-campus model which all of those are affected in each state. Now, certainly our state, right, is opening up a little bit. Um, and what does this look like in the next couple, three weeks? Um, will will everything flatten off, and or is this thing going to really, really spike and, and throw another curveball in it? I don't know. I don't have the answer. There's not a target, which makes that hard for you and me and our players because you don't know a – Hey, when do we get a start date? When do we get back on campus? And that's the difficult thing of, of working through. So, you know, I think for our players, like I mentioned to our players yesterday in a team meeting, I said, hey, you guys need to think short-term and plan today. Think yeah. about the rest of the month. Plan today. I'll think long-term and plan short-term. All right? I'll take care of that for us. But you just need to get up and win today and and that's difficult for those guys because it's difficult for us as as, um, as older guys. But um, just trying to wake up, win the day, go be great. Finals are kind of over. We can get in a good workout mode right now and, you know, extra video, all that kind of stuff. But I do, guys. I, I do think that we need it, and I do think we'll have it. Talking to Matt. Way, well, shape, or form. And it will look different, though, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Well, when you say that, it will look different. What uh, What comes to mind? Well, I just mean, you know, first of all, when we get guys back, I mean, we're not going to be all high-fiving outside the complex the first day, 110, 120 guys. <laughs> you know, we're going to have to bring them back. Um, we're going to bring them back in waves, right, or groups, um, physicals, antibody testing, COVID testing, um, stress testing, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then the stadiums, will it be – all empty will it be half full will it be three quarters a third i don't know i really don't know that that's not my decision to make i don't know but i doubt it looks exactly like it looked last year that's kind of what i'm getting at 
Yeah. Coach, I wanted to ask you, you brought up the injuries and, and coming back and getting tested. One of the players that I'm kind of fond of is Alan Bowen, your quarterback. I wanted to know what is his uh, health like and is he ready to make that run this year? You know, boy, I sure, I, I sure hope so. We all do. All Red Raider fans do. Allen certainly worked really hard in the offseason. Uh, quarterbacks lift for one reason, in my opinion, and that's to get up and to play another play. I think Allen's, uh, you know, I think it's been an unfortunate situation with kind of the two injuries that he's had with the, with the lung and uh, the collarbone. Yeah. And it, that's been tough, but he's, uh, he's bulked up. I don't know how much he weighs now, but he's gained some weight and, and done well. And, you know, if we can keep him healthy, I think he, uh, you know, I think he is very accurate. He is extremely smart. And I think he'll be one of the best quarterbacks in this league if we can keep him healthy for a full year. Matt, how would you say the, you know, you've, you've built up Utah State and, you know, we've seen Matt Rule go from 1-11 and 11 to a, a Big 12 title in three years. Um, and you're recruiting. You've got some, you know, you can't talk about the recruits, but you've got some stud recruits already in the 21 recruiting class. How... How would you say recruiting is going and, you know, the reception, the reception of your message? Well, first of all, throughout the state, the reception has been extremely well. I think our staff has done a great job. You know, you only get one chance to make a first impression um, anywhere, but especially in this state with uh, the Texas high school coaches. We certainly had a, a lot of relationships with those guys, albeit in different logos. Um, and now we're wearing an in-state Big 12 logo, and, and the relationships continue. And so I think our staff's done a great job, and the reception has been very, very good. Every, you know, we had a, one late signee last year that was out of state, but before that, uh, you know, all 15 high school players uh, were from the state of Texas, 100%. Um, that was the highest in, in this state for Power 5 schools and take a gr great amount of pride of that. I think all of our commitments uh, right now are in state, except one. And so, um, you know, this this state is important to us. We'll certainly sign some kids out of state, but this state is is extremely important. The level of play and the high school coaches is at an extremely high level. These players, it's important to them. And you know, I think recruiting is going well for us right now. We we've, we've hit on some guys. That's been a big focus of our staff during this pandemic time. and uh, But more to go, a lot more to go, probably only a third of the way done. And so we certainly have to continue to go and have that energy to sustain that throughout this summer, which, you know, now it looks like um, the, the dead period is going to continue to get extended and probably a pretty good chance we're not going to have kids on campus this summer. So that makes it a challenge for all of us. Well, and you were almost reunited with your buddy Todd Orlando. Yeah, well, well, I guess technically we were for about 12 days. <laughs> right. <laughs> Father of Berserker. <laughs> oh. Well, listen, we appreciate no. – yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a crazy time. We are uh, – it's not easy. This Y'all are earning the, earning the big bucks uh, this year, and, uh, man, we are uh, – eagerly awaiting football season whenever it gets here and uh and stay safe and keep the faith we appreciate you yeah, coach I appreciate, it. I appreciate it no thanks for having me on i'm sure your all your listeners are 
probably starving for a little bit of college football. So you guys keep up the great work and continue to feed and push the push the product. And college football is, um, in my opinion, the greatest team sport ever invented. I think we all need it. We all uh, yearn for it, and uh, we want it. I, I do believe we'll have it. Uh, it may look a little different, and we and we need to be a little flexible and adaptable. But, uh, man, I appreciate the job you guys do for college football in this state. Well, we appreciate it uh, so much, Coach. And, uh, like I said, stay safe and keep the faith, and we'll be in touch. All right, guys. Appreciate y'all. All All right, there he is, Matt Wells. Free Brown Football Friday. Oh, man, Big Ten. They're dead to me. (laughs) Come on, man. Um, Let's go to the hotline. Bring on the All-American in the offensive line. University of Texas, three-time conference champion, two-time Super Bowl winner. You see him on LHN providing great analysis. Knows everything about the offensive line. John McEvitt called him the best pulling guard he's ever seen. The one and only Dan Neal. Dan Neal. Dan, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, guys. How you guys doing? Well, I'm a little pissed off at my Big Ten. (laughs) His uh, Big Ten, don't forget. You know, I grew up. My parents were season ticket holders, University of Michigan. And, of course, the Big Ten goes out yesterday and says, we're playing a conference-only schedule. And listen, I get it. We're in a pandemic. It's rough out there. Everybody's got to do what they think is best for the health and safety of the student-athletes. But can we – I mean, this thing's changing so much. Some days good, some days bad. That Can we go, like, up to – can we get it into mid-August or something before? I don't know. I mean, it's uh, no one has the answers. Everybody's doing it a little differently, Dan. But what did you make of the Big Ten going to a conference-only schedule? You know, and that's the thing. You don't want to make any call too early. What is the right timing with this pandemic? No one knows the right timing. I mean, you heard Stanford dropping 11 sports the other day. I think, I think it was 11. Yeah. I mean, it's it just – it's. No one knows that. That's the whole point. And when you start talking about sports in that are you know pandemic proof, football is the least of them. Yeah, you know that's probably the most dangerous of all of them. So I, look, I, you know, if you had asked me a month ago if there would have been football this fall, I'd said, oh yeah, the NFL play. College, I wasn't sure about, but the NFL play. Now I'm not sure about the NFL. I, I just don't know. I mean, it, it's such a nutty thing. Um, you know, I, I was. I was actually I was with uh, a friend of mine the other day. And he goes, "Well, you know, Dan, twenty twenty is a waste. Just be write it off. You know, it, it, nothing's getting done in twenty twenty." And he's right. I mean, this is just a crazy time. Dan, you just mentioned the NFL. I mean, obviously, you played in the league for a while, Super Bowl champion. And I just sit here and I'm wondering because there's so many players that have mixed uh, thoughts about playing, not playing. You heard JJ Watt talking about. We need to wear the full mask and have it covered. But then you look across the country and you see kids are out playing uh, soccer across the country. They're playing uh, baseball across the country. And these are parents that are paying for their kids to participate. <laughs> That's the strange thing to me is, like, where where are we at where kids are able to go and play, but we're trying to figure out if pros are going to go play? I, I get you, you know, my, my, my stepson, my wife's son, he's supposed to play in a basketball tournament this weekend, and I'm looking at my wife going, this is stupid. 
You know, it's nothing against him. It's just how in the I mean, what is it? Ten people it is setting at once now. I mean, you can't do a basketball game. This is just insane. It, it, and part of it is you try to have an environment where you want these kids to get out and play. You know, give get some normalcy for their own sanity. You just for their safety, we can't do it. You know, you just you can't take these steps. At least in my opinion, that. Um, Potentially put you know, your kids in harm and yourself in harm, you know, from this pandemic. And that's part of the problem. You said kids, and that's where you see this uptick is young people. And, and and I get it. I mean, when I was you know twenty, if they told me you know just stay in your house for three months, I've been hell no. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, it, it's a tough, tough deal. You know, and I, I don't even know what to think or say about. It. I mean, I'm just at a point now where I'm just so flabbergasted by the whole thing. So you know, I do my part, guys. You know what I do? I work and then I go play golf. <laughs> golf is pandemic proof, so I play a hell of a lot of golf. And I just figured out. I, I told my wife this I came home. I finally figured it out. Two days in a row, I played well. That's never happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that Dan, congratulations! That's uh, that's a that's an accomplishment. I'm I'm. I'm it's, it's right there below marriage. It's that important I, in your life. I'm telling you. <laughs> All right, so Dan, I'm. I'm, uh, you know, college football's on life support now. I mean, when the Big yeah. Ten makes a decision like this, um, there's nowhere to to go. But, uh, um, you know, down a, a a grim path for college football this year, and that I don't even want to think about it. But this, uh, when you have a team that's loaded with veterans, and and it it's your time. You know, in the minds, everything I'm hearing from sources, all the key guys are providing good leadership right now. Um, I mean, this is a team that thinks it can do something, and they may not get a chance to do it. Yeah, I mean, I could imagine. It's, it's a shame, you know, but you're right. I mean, college football, to, excuse me, it's college football to me is a lot of sport. I just don't see how they're playing this fall. You know, maybe in the spring, maybe some form – Something, but I, I mean, you've already heard the universities come out and texting one of them saying that class is going to go from August to November and they're shutting it down. You know, and there's going to be half there, half on online. I mean, all these precautions and measures they're doing for the student body. You know, the, the, the athletic department is not immune to these precautions, so they're going to have to fall in line as well. And to think that, okay, we're going to go out there and we're going to play a sport where you've got 11 guys for each team on the field of one, so 22 guys that are basically on top of each other. I mean, again, it is the most non-pandemic proof sport out there. I, I just don't know how it's going to happen. It, 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 it kills me too, Chip. You know, I, like you mentioned, Longhorn Network. I love doing that. It, you know, I, it may not happen this year. It may not be able to do it. It may not be no football. Um, so, I, I, you know, it's, it's just kind of a, an interesting thing, like I said. I, I don't know. I have no idea. Well, listen, my friend. Um, hopefully, next week we'll we'll have uh, some more <laughs> upbeat things to talk about. I'm not quite sure we will, well, but well, you know, to your point, Chip, tomorrow it may all change, and the day after that, it may all change right. again. I mean, that's right. exactly. It. Next week we could be going. Oh, everything's fine. I, you know, who knows. Yeah. yeah, I agree one hundred percent. Well, with that, and man. the last resort is spring football, um, and you know, 
maybe by then we'll have some kind of a therapeutic or or uh, or something that makes uh, makes us think that we can start to uh, fend off this COVID nineteen. But Dano, have a uh, safe and and healthy weekend, and and uh, let's do it again next week. Hey, y'all do the same. You know, I feel really I'll be at the pressing conversation. So. I know, I know. It's <laughs> yeah. my fault. It's my fault. I'm I was let, trying to be positive, Dan. I'm letting, I'm let, I'm letting these Big Ten, you know, I'm just a little teed off right now. Um, right. <laughs> but there he is. There he is, Dan Neal on a free for all football Friday. We'll come back with some. Do you care next? Free for all football Friday and uh, Harch. Time for a little do you care? You going first or me? I'll go first, my friend. Chip, well, come on. Chip, a lot is going on around football. We've been talking a little bit about it, but JJ Watt, JJ Watt, big name in the NFL, often injured JJ Watt, but people love JJ. Uh, he said he likely won't play this season if the NFL does not mandate players where face shields, face masks. There, there's designs that are out there that are covered up and make sure that your face are covered. Almost like the PP, the PPD, PPEs that the nurses are wearing in the hospitals. He doesn't want to wear those. But let me ask you this. His wife is playing soccer right now. She's running around up in Utah on the Chicago team. She doesn't seem to have an issue with uh, bumping into people and doing her thing. Do you care? Well, it's um, – I just want them to do whatever's safest for the players. Right. I mean, Dan just said it. Football's probably the least COVID-friendly or – For sure. COVID, you know. Um, yeah, COVID-friendly. So, whatever the – scientists and medical community is telling the NFL in terms of putting a face shield inside their face mask if that's what it's about then let's go because we just got to do whatever is safest for the players for the for the players and the coaches and the refs I mean it's a huge community in on that field in and around that field during a game so I'm I'm for anything that protects these players right. according to the to the science and medical communities. Yeah, and the CDC. So let me ask you. Gloves, long sleeves, tights, would that be something that should be considered because you're covering up all parts of your body by wearing those things. Now obviously they'll see through because of the sweat. You know, most of the stuff will let you know that it's it'll swipe off, but I'm with you. I mean, safety first, but if there's some other things that come out that say, okay, you can do this or that, why not try it? Yeah, I mean, let's go with what the medical community is saying. I mean, you're right. If The compression tights and yeah. shirts that these guys wear won't protect them from, um, you know, if a guy um, who's infected gets – up against them or right. you know is is uh getting some of the their breath or you know whatever onto their their skin their pores but i'm for extensive testing and whatever the the medical and science community says is is the best safest way to 
to play the games this year. No doubt. Harch. Yes, sir. Uh, Cam Newton. Cameron Jarrell. I was going to say. Newton. You better announce his name correctly, Doc. Was officially given the number one jersey for the New England Patriots yesterday. He's the first Pats player under Bill Krusty Belichick to wear number one. Do you care? I do care. Cameron Jarrell is officially a New England Patriot. He's wearing number one. They're going to come up with a scheme to make things work. 2015 MVP. 15-1. and one. Took the team to the Super Bowl, Chip. That was five years ago. Hey, man. Lifetime. We, we were trying to watch Vince Young the other day. Last night. We were trying to watch Vince Young, and that was 2005. 15 years ago. Yeah, but he ain't trying to play. So boy. don't give me that. I'm talking about You are living Cameron, in the past. <laughs> Cameron. Jarrell Newton. Which I don't, I'm not mad at you, man. Cam is he's motivated. He's coming at your neck, Chip. That's my man, Homer Hart. That's right. I'm I'm all in on Cameron. Oh, you're, I'm gonna you're see if I can get me a over jersey. The top. I'm gonna see if I can get me a shirt. They Cameron. are available. I checked this morning. They're still there? Oh yeah. Oh well speaking Plenty. of speaking of being available, Chip, the TV Tom, Tommy, your boy from Tampa. He's got a creamsicle shirt before it was out. We didn't. We couldn't find it. It was out of stock. Now it's back in. Are we online shopping this morning? I Do mean, you care? Aren't you all getting that for me? We're, we're working on it, Chip. It was Man. out of stock. Okay. We'll so see then. my checking and my savings. We're going to get it for you to wear to the game against the Saints on your birthday weekend, but I guess that's... But we'll still up still in there. get it. We're still up in there. I'll still take that as my birthday present. I all mean... Right. And it, that's it. We got it, Salty. We're getting that. There you go. See? I'll get on that right during the break. Yeah, you get on that. I'll what's, get on What's that. better than giving someone something they want right, that's for the birthday? That's true. Feel me? Yeah. I was going to get you a tie. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I see Save you your money. <laughs> hey. Hard. Speaking of Cam Newton, <clears throat> Zion Williamson. Oh, man. You went there? What the? I mean, we're getting into the nitty-gritty details. Um, things are turning up here. Looks like 400000 might have changed hands uh, for Zion and uh, his his stepfather uh, to play basketball at Duke. Do you care? See, what had happened was I didn't do anything. This is straight Cameron Jarrell Newton. This is straight up. I didn't have anything to do with it. I didn't know that my stepfather, he ain't even my daddy. I don't call him daddy, but I got a new car because of it. Man, look, why is it that these people always seem to know what I am doing is wrong? And I'm not talking about the the family members. I'm talking about these people that continue to go after these hot young players and thinking this is my comeuppance, as you like to say. This is my way to the top he i'm going to represent him and then all of a sudden he decides he doesn't want to go with you and now you want to sue you want it to be the one that's like he did not believe in what we were doing he was supposed to come with us we forwarded him this month dude you know the deal there's no guarantees on any of these superstars especially when you have to go to to college first you're up against it. There's going to be plenty of other people that are going to come. 
The thing that bothers me the most, Chip, is why is it that all these people come out of the woodworks? Yeah, I probably would too if I was out $400,000, but I wouldn't have given him $400,000. It's crazy. I'm going to ask you the same question, Chip. I mean, why do you think people do this? Well, you want to get in. You want to get in when, uh, you know, it's like Lee Steinberg, right? Lee Steinberg got to know Patrick Mahomes when he was, what, a sophomore at Texas Tech because June Jones recommended recommended it and said, hey, this dude's for real. Yeah. And now Lee Steinberg is now the agent on the – you know, 500, potentially half billion dollar contract. So these people are trying to do the same thing. Um, but why are you giving up money? That's my point. Slavko Durich. Thank you. The Canadian you marketing agent who um, was forking out the money. Yeah. Uh, to, to Zion before he went to Duke so that he could, you know, be there cashing in when, when Zion finally was ready to go pro. And then, uh, you know, Zion had a Zion and the family had a change of heart. Slavko. Slavko. Come on, man. Out of there. Who who names their kid Slavko? I mean, he's you know probably I mean? not from here, Chip. Well, so I'm that's just saying. That may be a Canadian. family name. That might be a family name. I don't know what's name. going on in Canada. <laughs> yeah. Hockey's about to be gone. Slavko. Ho- hockey's about to be going on up there. Hey, yep. my stepdad took the money. I didn't. <laughs> Cameron Jarrell. Newton. Hey, I got one for you. I got another one for you. The Big Ten uh, announced yesterday that they will only play conference games. I know this drives you nuts. Rumor has it that the ACC may go the same way. Now, both of these conferences have large members, large number of members, so they can still play the required games. But how does this make you feel? Do you I mean, conference only. Listen, I'm all for whatever's safe. For the yep. student athletes, for the for the staff, but why now? Why right now? I mean, do you know something the rest of the world doesn't? Right. I mean, we're trying to figure it out every day how to coexist with this. This is this is the mission, and and I've said we're not going to have college football unless people put on masks. True. And it means when everyone's it's summer, it's hot. People want to go outside. Everybody feels like, oh, this thing's supposed to die off in the summer. It's not dying off. And you're not you don't get to take a vacation from COVID, unfortunately. You might take a vacation or a staycation or whatever we can do in these times, but you still have to wear a mask. I mean it's that simple. Yeah. If we don't wear masks, we're not getting football. That's my humble opinion. But the Big Ten, why right now? Why why not get into um you know, mid mid August, right? And then, and then I'm make that you. decision. I'm with you. All right, it's uh, the bottom line. We're doing it all, baby, on a free for all football Friday, seven o'clock hour next, right here. Don't go anywhere. Life happens for those that show up, and we're glad you showed up with us on a free for all football Friday. The bottom line brought to you by Coors Light on AM thirteen hundred, the Zone. My man C. Breezy, Chip Brown. Come on. Shannon B. Sweeney behind the glass. And it's your boy, Harbaugh Harge. And we told you yesterday that there was a the 99th annual women's amateur tournament is being played at UT Golf Club. And future UT golfer Bentley Cotton has advanced to the finals in the championship at the UT Golf Club today. And she will be playing against a young lady named Mackenzie Niblett. And guess where she's going, Chip? Texas A&M. So we got Texas 
and Aggies battling it out for the amateur championship. Come on, man. This morning, they're teeing off at 8 o'clock. So, good luck to those ladies. And we are making our tour around the Big 12. We have talked about, we started our, our, our rankings from the bottom, working our way up to the top. We had Kansas, and Salty and I had Kansas and West Virginia finishing uh, 9th and 10th. You had K-State in Kansas finishing 9th and 10th. We just listened to Texas Tech head coach uh, last hour, 6.15, to saying that Texas Tech would be at the seven, I mean, the eight spot. You feel like Baylor would be at the eight spot, or do you have Tech at the eight spot? I have Baylor. Which is shocking, Chip, because you were the one, the one person who last year said that Baylor Bears would be playing for the Big 12 championship. You were the one person, besides Baylor Bear fans, that thought a team would that would go from worst to damn near first within two years, that would happen. Chip, why do you have your Baylor Bears dropping that far? Well, and I've got uh, I've got Baylor, West Virginia, and um, Texas Tech all finishing at six and six. Here he goes with those ties. So we got we got tiebreakers. <laughs> we got tiebreakers, and um, I've got Tech beating Baylor in Lubbock, and I've got West Virginia um, beating Baylor in. Morgantown. So Baylor um, is my eighth place team. Now, six and six, you lose nine starters on defense. You still have Charlie Brewer. And um, I think Dave Aranda has the hardest job in the Big 12 this year. You're a new coach. You're, you've got all new staff. You're trying to get to know these players. You're trying to get your culture in. And we know that some some coaches burn hot when they put their culture in. Some um, you know, don't burn as hot. Now, Lincoln Riley walked into OU and inherited a great culture. Inherited a winning culture from Bob Stoops with a with a great cast. Dave Aranda inherits a a nice culture from Matt Rule. Are you kidding me? From one and eleven to five and seven to eleven and one, he he had everything going in the right direction. So Aranda inherits a group of players that dominated the regular season last year, and and that's a plus. But he's got to get his culture in, and he's got to get his coaches and schemes and players and all that aligned. And in a pandemic. Good luck, my friend. And I, well, you're going to hear from Dave Aranda coming up in the next segment, but I think when you look at Texas Tech with Alan Bowman and, and Matt Wells almost beat Baylor last year in Waco. Probably should have. Um, but Charlie Brewer led him 99 yards and scored the you know game-winning touchdown in the final minute, and, and Baylor got out of there alive. So... I think Matt Wells is coming on, and and I think Neil Brown's you know coming on too. Right. So it's a it's splitting hairs for me. These are all six and six teams. Right. Um, but Baylor, 
loses on the road at Tech in my mind and loses on the road at West Virginia. I mean, Baylor's got a tough schedule. And I think that's where you and I differ because I have them winning both of those games. I have Baylor winning both of those games, and that is why I have Texas Tech under uh, Baylor. And I, I, I see your point about the new culture, but here's something that I remember when Matt Rule took over. Matt Rule tried to come in and establish a certain type of offense. It didn't work. The players weren't buying in, and Matt being a great coach that I consider him to be, I mean, obviously he's in the NFL now, he changed to where the he started coaching the players to be good at what they did. He challenged his coaching staff to, yeah, I have my own way of doing things, but I can't put that in right now because these players aren't doing that, so I need to coach to the best of their abilities. And that, to me, is the true sign of a coach. I don't want to hear about systems or this is my scheme. No, you adjust to the personnel that you have because you're the one with the degree. You're the one that should be able to adjust and say, all right, my guys are good at this. My guys are good at this. They had success with this. And that's what he did. And as far as leadership, you got Charlie Brewer still there that is trying to be able to lead this team. And on defense, I mean, your linebacker crew is good. Your defensive backs are good. You just got to find replacements for those guys on the front line. And Dave Aranda is a defensive-minded coach. So that's where where I switch them because of the fact that I have them beating Texas Tech because they're coming off – a bye after that, before that game. And then I have them also beating West Virginia. Okay. So that's how I switched them. But we're, we're right there. Like you said, it's like splitting hairs. We, we had the same thing about Kansas in West Virginia. I mean, uh, Kansas State in West Virginia. They beat each other. And that's where our swing games are. Well, I think the Big 12 is top heavy. Yes, the top for sure. four teams are going to put a lot of losses on uh, – the rest of the league. All right, let's hear our uh, our interview with Dave Aranda, the new coach at Baylor. We'll do that next. Let's go to the hotline and bring on the head coach of the Baylor Bears as part of our uh, modified spring tour this year, <laughs> uh, Dave Aranda. Dave, how you doing? Hey, doing good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Man, we, we, we always enjoy talking to you. We had a, a great conversation with you about uh, a young Tom Herman and your days at, at Cal Lutheran. Um, but I want to talk to you about uh, – I want to ask you real quick about LSU before we get into Baylor because um, national championship. And, and, and now, you know, you've got that to talk about with your team. But, you know, of course, Texas plays LSU this, this fall and – Texas has 16 starters returning. LSU loses 16 key contributors uh, from last year's team, plus you, plus Joe Brady. I mean, what what does LSU have coming back? The first thing I would say would be uh, Ed Ogeron. And I think <laughs> just his uh, determination, his um, his work ethic, I think – you know there is a um, there is a, a lot of competitiveness in him, and I and it's something that's uh, very much felt by the assistant coaches there and uh, his players. I think um, 
you know, there is a there is a love there. The, the players uh, play for him and uh, fight for him, and uh, the coaches there don't want to let him down. And so I think, you know, the culture there is uh, is strong. And then, you know, I think in just terms of recruiting at LSU, there's an expectation of uh, playing right away. And I think um, there's some places where that's not the case. And um, if there is playing right away or maybe there's not, the anticipation of a a true sophomore season um, has a lot more on the line than maybe some other, other spots. And so there's guys that are kind of geared up to kind of make that push, to make that um to make that name for themselves, you know, when when that's the case, the the issue that comes up is kind of grouping everything under a team, um, under a, a team structure and team goals and that. And Ed does a great job of that. So I think, um, you know, the LSU team is going to be a team that's going to fight and scrap and do so with a lot of youth and a lot of ability, a lot of talent. Coach, I want to ask you about your team, the Baylor Bears. They had a great season last year. You come back in, Chip and I always talk about the way that you can tell if a team is going to have a good season is what is their quarterback like. You have a four-year starter in Charlie Brewer coming back. What is going on with the Baylor Bears, and what are the expectations of this year's team? You know, we, we are going to um, compete, you know, at, at, at a real high level. And the expectation is to do uh, is to do that, you know, in, in visiting with Charlie and um, sitting in on some of our virtual meetings that we have and just seeing his leadership and um, his command. You know, I think Charlie, outside of um, uh, outside of the, the football field and football meeting rooms i think is um and you could probably say is an easygoing guy but he flips the switch and um um really emerges and has great command and our guys love him and um i'm excited about you know everything that he's put into it uh, in terms of this season and um the the extra work the uh the um, the time with Larry Fedora, the the time with his receivers and, and other skilled players, the time with his old linemen, and just spending spending more time on getting on the same page in terms of protections and these and you could you know when a guy is just fully invested and just going for it and uh, that's Charlie Brewer. So I'm excited to be on the same side as that and you know I feel I feel. Um, positive about our, the direction of the defense and the development there you know this is going to be a new um kind of a new uh revelation for all of us and that you know we're not alone and that our i think we've had six installs since um our quarantine and so um there's a lot of folks that are finishing sentences and of coaches and and um there's a, probably a greater understanding from a sitting or standing position than uh, typically there is. And so then, you know, the, how you take that to the grass and, and um, when, um, when things are happening fast and, and applying it that way. But, um, you know, we've been kind of addressing that the last month or so. And so I, I really feel that there's some good momentum behind us. And I look forward to being back with our team here, hopefully soon. Talking to Baylor coach Dave Aranda and coach, we had Chris Kleiman on, 
um, you know, recently, and he talked about, you know, his first impression of the Big 12 was that they play much better defense than the league is given credit for. He singled out Baylor and said Baylor's defense was as good as any in the country last year. Um, but you lose a lot of guys from that defense, including James Lynch from right around here, uh, Bravion Roy. But, you know, talk about what you saw from that Baylor defense on film and then, you know, how similar will the, you know, the scheme be or will it be an overhaul? How do you approach that? There, you know, the thing I saw was a brotherhood, a love and and a respect. You know, we, we watched quite a bit of Baylor from last year, uh, preparing for Oklahoma and uh, was really, really impressed. And, you know, the, the effort, the, um, the simplicity, the soundness, the, uh, the disguise, you know, I think no one really knew, was it a one high, two high pressure, eight man drop until post snap, which is so critical. And then um, just the, the understanding of where everybody fit and just the playing together. And um, it was, you know, it's, it's impressive. I feel like the, a lot of talent and ability in our linebacker spots. I feel like, you know, the defenses that um, we've been associated with in the past have really kind of featured linebackers. And I feel like Terrell Bernard's going to um, really step into that role and own it and I think get to another level. Really impressed, similar to Charlie in terms of his command and, and uh, his want to and what he's invested Um and so excited about him and, and just the leadership that he brings, the type of person he is. I think skill-wise, I really like the length we have at corner. I think we've got some good, um, flexible um, um, positions at safety where they can be a down guy, they can be a guy in the post, that we can blitz. There's some movable um, and flexible guys that could that could do that. And then I feel good about the front. I think we've got that's where we, we lose quite a bit. But we've really got some talented guys that are just young and we've got to get them uh game ready. And so I think, you know, being smart about our application, what we're asking them to do, and then kind of grow into a uh kind of a collective identity, I think is probably the way to go. But uh we got a lot of talent, you know, we've we've gotta get some game experience under our belt for sure. We're talking to the football, the head football coach of the Baylor Bears, Dave Aranda. And, Dave, I want to ask you about the offensive side of the ball. I know we talked about Charlie Brewer and his leadership, but you're missing some playmakers on that side. Now, I know Baylor does have more playmakers, but who's a name or a couple names that we should be on the lookout for replacing some of the playmakers that you had last year? Well, I feel really good about uh, Tristan Ebner and um, John Lovett. I think running back wise, we've got we've got two of the better ones, and there's some others that are in that stable as well that can um, that can really go and and um, can be more than running backs. You know, we can flex them out, and um, we can flex them out and um, uh, get zone or man IDs, fly sweeps. Um, you know some of the things I think that we were we were doing last year in Louisiana. I think there's there's it's applicable here with the talent that we've got. And at receiver, you really like Jared Atkinson um, with his hands and his ability to make contested catches. And R.J. Snead, 
I think there's a great savviness, you know, really complete player there. He's a, he's a leader. Um, you know, he's going to do everything right and be in position to to make those critical plays. And you know, Taquan Thornton, you love his length and skill and, and speed. You know, Yusuf Terry's a guy that's a, that can be a home run hitter for us that we're looking to develop. So there's, I think there's a, there there's a lot of skill and a lot of uh, guys that are hungry to kind of make their mark. We mentioned um, kind of what that's like earlier, and so I feel like you know um, Larry in our conversations has identified all of that. He's got a great plan together to kind of ease us into um, the season, and then kind of work to find as we go exactly who we are. You'd like to say we've had this spring and this practice and and these things to kind of identify that and. We're not at that at that stage yet, and so just being smart about how we start will give us a a great opportunity to finish strong. I'm talking to Dave Aranda, head coach at Baylor, and and Dave, I always say defensive head coaches uh, are going to be made or broken on you know who they select as they're a lot of times going to be you know made or broken on who they select as the offensive coordinator. What was it about Larry Fedora? We. We've known of uh, Larry for quite a while. You know, I was on the staff with um, Ron Roberts, uh, who's our defensive coordinator. I was Ron's uh, defensive coordinator at Delta State um, a couple years ago, and um, the head coach at Southern Miss at that time was Larry. And you know, we would go by and visit, and practice, and, and uh, we would study film. You know, we, at that point, it's much harder to get film, and so we had to go through all these. Uh, um, extracurricular type things, try to get some tape and we would get a film of uh, Larry's offense and and uh, study it and see how he's spreading out. And he was really an innovator at the time with tempo and pace. And, you know, as the game has changed, you watch his tape, he's he stayed with, um, he stayed ahead of it, which is impressive to do. You know, we always look at, you know, points per game and just all these other things every year, kind of who should we study? Who Who are the people that are going to copy these people and these are going to be things that we're going to, it's going to bleed into our conference and it's going to affect us at some point. The league, uh, just college football in general is very much that way. So, um, Larry, Larry was always there. You know, he was always in that group. And then just from, uh, that along with just knowing folks that speak really highly, just of his character and type of person he is, his family, you know, just really made sense and excited about what we can do. Um, Dave, always appreciate the conversation it's uh it's a lot of fun and we are college football junkies here on the bottom line and uh so thanks for for talking some ball with us stay safe and keep the faith appreciate you thank you guys all right there he is baylor head coach dave aranda oh yeah my man harbaugh harsh he is He's a homer, and we love him. <laughs> Got his Longhorn gear on. Friday, Chip. So, Harch, enlighten us, my man, in the Harch Knox life. All right, Chip. So, a lot has been going on in the world. You and I have talked at nauseum about how what can we do to change the world? What can we do to help others understand walking in other people's shoes? What can we do? to make the world a better place where people aren't so angry. If you don't understand, ask questions. If you need to to 
Look at yourself in the mirror. Do that. Self-reflect. Try to understand what someone else is going through. And a lot of times people don't want to do that. It's a lot of things that happen that until it happens to you, it doesn't matter. We've talked about these things, and we're going to continue to move the narrative to the point of unity. And we've tried tried to talk about equality. Well, during the week, uh, Deshaun Jackson of the Philadelphia Eagles. But let me preface this by saying, let's not forget what Riley Cooper did, also a Philadelphia Eagle wide receiver, when he was at a country concert and he made some racial slurs to the security guards. So fast forward to Deshaun Jackson. We've talked about the George Floyd situation. We've seen what's happened with Bubba Wallace. And people are pushing the narrative to be sympathetic and have empathy for others' races and try to understand where people are coming from. Well, he made some anti-Semitic comments, and the one person that you never want to talk to a Jewish culture about is Adolf Hitler. And he put this on Instagram. By the way, the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles happens to be a Jewish gentleman. And, you know, if you don't understand, don't try to put something out there without having the knowledge of it, right? So we've talked about the eyes of Texas. No one had the knowledge of the eyes of Texas until you had to really do some research about the eyes of Texas. And then it became a a fighting, arguing, we need change type of situation. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. We don't know. But what happened was very hurtful to the Jewish community, what uh, Deshaun Jackson said. And Julian well, Edelman. He, he posted on his Instagram some writings of, right. of Hitler. And tried to compare the two of African Americans and right. the Jewish it was, community. It was Hitler talking about how, you know, black people have been done wrong by the Jews. Right. And, you know, the the black people will side with us against the Jews. Right. And and so he posted those those quotes that were attributed to Hitler and And he tried to clean it up and say that's not what I meant and what I was trying to say. And that's the thing, Chip. Words hurt. Actions. You put something out there on the internet, it ain't going away. People are looking at that. They're looking for this to try to tear down what the movement is all about right now. So right now we know that the Black Lives Matter, the All Lives, all that other stuff is happening, and then something like this tries to tear down the movement. Well, Julian Edelman, wide receiver of the uh, New England Patriots, caught wind of this. He, too, part of the Jewish community, um, is now reaching out to Deshaun Jackson, and he said, I'm going to let you hear what he said, and then we'll talk about it. But, Chip, there's a couple things that are in there that are are so real, and it makes people really have to start looking at how they treat each other, more importantly, black or white. I've been getting hit up by everyone asking me about this Deshaun Jackson post. And I wanted to take some time before I responded because it's a complicated issue. And I wanted to be thoughtful. 
I wrote down some of my thinking. I've seen Deshaun play in his career, make outstanding football plays. We've communicated over social media. I've got nothing but respect for his game. I know he said some ugly things, but I do see an opportunity to have a conversation. I'm proud of my Jewish heritage. And for me, it's not just about religion. It's about community and culture as well. I'm unusual because I didn't identify as Jewish until later in my life. Whenever I encountered hatred, it never really felt like it was aimed at me. It was only after I was part of this community that I learned how destructive hate is. Anti-Semitism is one of the oldest forms of hatred. It's rooted in ignorance and fear. I remember experiencing a little bit of this hate in 2011 on the football field. There's no room for anti-Semitism in, in this world. Even though we're talking about anti-Semitism, I don't want to distract from how important the Black Lives Matter movement is and how we need to stay behind it. I think the black and Jewish communities have a lot of similarities. One unfortunate similarity is that they are both attacked by the ignorant and the hateful. It's really hard to see the challenges a community can face when you're not part of it. So what we need to do is, we need to listen, we need to learn, we need to act. We need to have those uncomfortable conversations if we're gonna have real change. So to that end, Desham, let's do a deal. How about we go to DC and I take you to the Holocaust Museum and then you take me to the Museum of African American History and Culture. Afterwards, we grab some burgers and we have those uncomfortable conversations. That's what it's all about right there. It really is. That's it. That that in in a nutshell is what everyone needs to do. Because you don't understand until you see it for yourself, Chip. We talked about it. We talked to Willie T. Ribs the other day, NASCAR driver, dealing dealt with race, I mean, excuse me, Formula One, NASCAR, Trans Am, any kind of car, he was driving it. But the one thing that he continued to talk about was you do not own me. You do not own the right over me, and you don't have more rights than I. So here's the thing that I want to continue to push the narrative to be. Have those conversations. You know, the rioting, the look, not the rioting, but the protesting, it's gotten kind of quiet, Chip. So just like we talked about, we said two weeks, right? We sat in this room and said two weeks from that, from that day that things were going to kind of slow down and people are going to try to go back to their normal, whatever that may be, lives. But the conversation needs to continue to happen. And I thought right there, the way Julian Edelman handled it, he didn't go crazy. He didn't yell at Deshaun. He reached out to him and said, hey, man, let's sit down and talk about this. Nate Boyer, when Colin Kaepernick was doing what he was doing, Nate Boyer reached out to Colin and said, let's sit down and have a conversation. If you're willing to sit down and have conversations with people, to try to have an understanding, you may not agree. We, we, we've we talked about that. There's things that we don't agree on in certain situations. But that don't mean that I don't like you. That doesn't mean that you and I can't continue to have tough conversations 
That don't mean we and you can't go out and have a beer and go enjoy ourselves. It's just you have to be able to look at it from a different lens instead of looking at it through just your lens. And that's that's where, you know, I've said uh, my white brothers and sisters, we need to be the ones that are willing to put ourselves in someone else's shoes and and listen uh, because we have no idea what it's like to live in a world where every time you get pulled over, you're worried you're going to get questioned, pulled out of your car, handcuffed, jailed, beaten, or, yeah. or death. Um, and that's that's the key. And the key is to have it under warm circumstances right, right. with hearts open. Right. Um, so that's what Julian Edelman displayed right there. Good stuff, Harge. We'll, uh, we'll come back. We'll get into what's trending. Uh, Goose Goslin in the 8 o'clock hour. It's a free-for-all football Friday. Free-for-all football Friday. Um, Harge. Yep. The Big Ten. I mean, this is what's wrong with college football. <laughs> we don't have a college football commissioner. We got we got five different commissioners. They, they're all looking out for themselves. And I've said it a million times. This is like in the NFL, the AFC West having a commissioner, the NFC South having a commissioner, everybody doing their own thing, negotiating their own TV rights. You're like, well, that sounds preposterous. Well, guess what? You have the Power Five conferences. They're in a playoff situation together. Right. They basically agreed when they got into the college football playoff that they would work together. And then the Big Ten goes in on July 9th. Ninth, yeah, yeah. 9th, July 9th. When we still have 60 days to college football, comes out with an announcement saying we're going conference only. Out. So, so I was listening to the beginning of the show when I was stuck in traffic. Appreciate you kicking that off, my brother. I'm and sorry, man. sorry. I'm glad we're team effort. Team effort. Glad you're here. But as I was listening to you talk about the fact that they made this decision without talking to everyone else that could be affected by this, those other schools that they're scheduling these non-conference games because that's part of their budget. And now you just say, you know what? And then you said that Bob Bosby was on the phone with the commissioner and he mentioned nothing about, hey, I'm about to make an announcement about not doing this. Bowlesby told the Dallas Morning News he was on the phone with, with Commissioner Warren, Big Ten Commissioner Warren, yesterday. Right, right. And Warren made no mention of making a conference-only football schedule announcement. Right. And you've got Iowa playing Iowa State on September 12th and Maryland playing West Virginia on September 19th. And then... I think Oregon was playing a team out of the Big Ten also. So, I mean, I sat here and I was listening. I think it was Ohio State, actually. I was sitting here and I, I as soon as the new, the information came out, I turned on my TV and I went to the Big Ten network. And Urban Meyer was sitting there. Uh, and he Gene Smith was talking. And they were all sitting there talking about how 
it needed to they just didn't feel comfortable with the season as of right now. Well, if you don't feel comfortable with it as of right now, why make the decision right now? To your point, why not wait and see? Why not get back in? As we talked about, Oklahoma made news yesterday talking about all the people that they tested, 89 of them, came back negative. Right, after having an initial 14 positives. Everybody's good to go. Right. So, And I'm frankly, I'm – Surprised because Ohio State has a chance to win the national championship. They, they are, right. And and look, if we get it to the point where there's going to be no college football season, we're 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 rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. Yeah. But part of the education of this is ongoing. Right. Look, we we opened up. Okay, and guess what? We learned that opening up doesn't mean. Not wearing masks. Right. It, it doesn't mean you can go to the beach and get all cuddly with your friends or go float the river because the numbers started going back up. We we can be open, but we have to be responsible within that, right? Right. And then you got to flatten the curve again, and that probably won't happen for the next couple of weeks because the numbers are up right. and everything kind of stems back to Memorial Day weekend. Now we're trying to get back ahead of it. So in a month, early August, I think that's when you say, where are we? Right. Mid-August is drop dead. That's your deadline right Right. there. And you say, okay, we're either in a position to do this or not. Well, one of the things that they did say is the reason why they can do that is because it gives them more options that they could be able to move some games around right. to be able to do so. You can so I, now have some open weeks right. for makeup games and this right. kind of thing. Right. And that has been part of the models that right. all the Power Five conferences have done. Right. But it's just the fact that he jumped out there without anyone knowing, without tipping anybody off, and just said, hey, we're shutting it down. Right. No, not Are you yeah. kidding me? Right. Y'all have a plus. You all signed an, a college football playoff agreement in which you vowed to work together. Yeah. And you're right. Ohio State was playing at Oregon on uh, September 12th. Right. So I, I talked to several sources in the Big 12 yesterday. Uh, it's a free story over at Horns 24 7 why the Big 12 is not following the Big 10's lead right now. And one Big 12. Um, athletic director said, "You're not going to hear that coming out of the Big Twelve or SEC. Right. We're gonna we're gonna wait. You know, hopefully. I mean, look, the and presidents and chancellors do, are the ones who yeah. can get pressured, and all the people I talk to are in athletics, and they're they will say, look, our presidents and chancellors are feeling the heat. Okay, we're who are trying they them from who are they from the from? public, okay. from okay. students, parents, right. and everything else." Because their big concern is about the entire student body. Absolutely, and they do have a they got to weigh that all that safety against the basically the having to cancel all your sports for a year. Right. I mean that's what we're talking about. If football goes away, you can't field any other sports for that entire year because there's no money. Right. So that's that's what's going to happen if football goes away this fall. You're not getting basketball. You're not getting. Baseball, you're not getting nothing for the entire 2021 school year. And then 
you're hoping as a university that you can bring back all those sports in 21-22. But as we saw at Stanford, they've already cut uh, double-digit sports Lem. from their uh, athletic um, offerings. All right, listen. We are talking football, football, football. And we're still acting like the season's going. So just stick right here with us. We'll talk to our man Goose Goslin. Uh, if you got to be somewhere at 8, you better hustle. It's bottom line. In the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice. We're happy you're spending some time with us on a free-for-all football Friday. Hope you'll take a second right now to sign up to give the gift of life and become an organ donor at DonateLifeTexas.org. We need you. Harch, all kinds of... uh, ground-shaking developments for college football yesterday with the Big Ten announcing that uh, they'll go to a conference-only schedule in uh, 2020. And a lot more uh, could happen. None of it looks good. Um, you know, the last case, last worst-case scenario, last resort would be moving football to the spring. Um, the reason... Officials right now are reluctant to do that as there's no assurance things will be better then. Um, And that the emphasis should be on coexisting with this virus. Um, Because we know how things went when um, everyone was sheltering in place. If we want to open up, we're going to have to be responsible uh, when we're out. It's not just wearing a mask when you're in the grocery store or uh, inside of four walls and a roof, it's when you're outside around people. I mean, it's it's real simple. Yep. Uh, it's it's uncomfortable, but it's gonna allow us to have some semblance of normalcy. Nonetheless, um, we are in the countdown, and we're 60 days to college football. We're probably 30 days to a decision. Um, Mid-August is what I thought would be the the deadline, and I think that that's what the Big 12 and SEC are operating under. Yeah. Um, if public perception doesn't get to the presidents and chancellors at, at those universities and cause them to say, you know what, uh, we're getting too much heat from you know parents – of students, and right now Texas has said that we'll be, you know, we'll be on campus for fall classes and be online for the spring. Um, all of this could change. Everything is fluid, and and so I think what you'll see from the Big Twelve and the SEC is an attempt by those athletic directors to get to mid-August before making a decision, seeing where the landscape is at that point. And that's that's all you can ask for. We've been saying this since the pandemic, March 11th, when everyone was starting to shut down. And people were like, they're going to cancel this, they're going to cancel that. It's like, let's just wait and see. Let's wait. Do the things that they've asked you to do. Wash your hands, wear your mask, sanitize everything, continue to do the things that you should do, stay at home, shelter in place, all those good things that we were told and we were like, oh, the numbers are going down. And then the second he opened everything up, people were like, 
oh, we can do whatever we want. No, they're still out there. We still don't know. I told you, and Shannon, when I got in today, I was watching a story about a former Texas football player who happens to be from the 254, Johnny Walker, talked about he thought that it was here in December, and you and I and Salty were talking about it then too. We personally, we didn't know what it was, but we were saying things were floating around and people were getting sick. I mean, we had people here at iHeart that ended up going home sick during that time. But you start to look and see just let the processes and listen to the scientists and the physicians that are telling you, hey, this is real. Because I told you, there's been a bunch of people, they've started a forum on Facebook talking about COVID survivors that are local, that have had to deal with this. So understand that it doesn't care what you look like. It don't care who you are, but they are working to make sure that there is a, what, quote unquote, vaccine, um, therapeutic antibodies. They're testing for the antibodies to see if you got them. I mean, or if you've had it. So continue to try to be positive. I know it looks like doom and gloom, but try to be positive. Um, We'll talk to our man Goose Gosling coming up in the next segment. Let's go to the phones. Phil. Phil, what's going on? What's up, guys? How you doing? What's up, my man? I'm doing great. Hey, listen, guys. uh, I think the Big Ten, I think they set the tone, unfortunately, for the rest of the conference because check this out. So for sure they're only going to play their conference games, right? Right. Okay, let's say the Big 12 says, well, we're going to go ahead and play our, our, our entire schedule. Through the year, Texas goes undefeated, their lone loss being a, a close early season loss to LSU by, let's say, a couple of points. Ohio State goes undefeated because they did not have to play Oregon, correct? Right. Okay, let's say Texas loses out by a few points of being in the Final Four because of that loss to LSU. That, to me, is a dilemma. Thanks, guys. Great. Well, uh, and I hope we get to that point. Right. I hope we get to have that argument uh, in December. Uh, we'll see. It's uh, Yesterday was, uh, was a body blow to the chances of college football being played in the fall. But I'm telling you, the Big 12, the SEC, the mindset in those two conferences is to try to get to mid-August before making any big decisions about what the – what a fall football schedule would look like. Um, Harge, the, uh, you know, the bottom line is this. There is no question that money is a factor in this, in, in the decision-making. And we got people texting us saying, there's no way that you can put, you know, students on campus, health at risk, and everything like that. Okay. It's the reason that athletic directors are going to encourage their presidents to say, let's try to get to August, mid-August, is because every, all you know, a big part of the student experience is campus life. It's campus life. Yeah. And your student athletes. Yeah. Especially at a place like Texas where yeah. you're, <laughs> you have the money and resources to compete at the highest level. And so... Those athletic directors are going to try to get all the information they can before making a big decision like this. There are tons of people that are trying to get their kids back in school 
right here in the great state of Texas. They're screaming at lawmakers to make their kids go back to school. Miami. I got a friend that lives in Miami, and she sent me a thing, an article yesterday that he closed the gyms and the bars and all the other things, but they want the kids to go to school in August. How does that even make sense? How does that even equate to let's do that? So they got everyone has to be on a common ground to find a solution for this chip. And the problem is there is no right answer. Somebody's going to get questioned about whatever they do. If they shut it down, people are going to be upset. If they say we're going to play, people are going to be upset. But I take it back to what I said to Dan Neal. There are organizations in which kids are paying to be a part of that are playing and they are social distancing and they are wearing their mask and parents in the stands are wearing theirs too. The problem is the people that keep wanting to fight the fact of the mask. It's my constitutional right. What are you talking about? It says no shoes, no shirt, no service. You can't go in a place and they say you have to have a mask before entering. Don't lose your mind. Right. You Just have, go by the rules. Right. You have the choice not to go in there. Yeah, you have the choice not to participate. Well, and the other thing about this is just shows how disjointed college football is. And, oh, yeah. And I've been saying for 10 years the Power Five needs to collectively bargain their media rights and and work as one. Have one football commissioner get rid of these these five conference commissioners and have one voice that's communicating with the the presidents and universities of the 64 Power Five schools. And it's got to be someone special, you know? Yeah. It's got to be you. it's got to be Reed Ryan. It's got to I mean, be Reed Ryan. You serious I've, about I've that? I've told him that for, for years. Time. I'm like, you're the you're the you're going to be the college football commissioner. Uh it's the bottom line. Oh yeah, free for all football Friday. Hey, uncomfortable conversations about uh <laughs> everything. About everything. <laughs> and I you know what, Harge, you did a great job in the Harge Knox life. People need to get to the podcast. Um and Emmanuel Acho. Yeah. Manuel Acho is doing great stuff with the uncomfortable conversations with a black man. His latest episode um, talks about interracial relationships. He's got Lindsey Vaughn and P.K. Subban on there as well as um, former Longhorn Rachel Lindsey. That's right. Rachel Lindsey, the black uh, first black bachelorette. Yeah. And her husband, who's white. And he's talking to them about how their interracial relationships are viewed and um really proud of Emmanuel. I think yeah, he's, he's moving the needle for sure. He's doing good work on that and um he's tweeting them out so go check them out there on YouTube as well. Uncomfortable conversations with a black man and what every Tuesday he's Tuesday night seven o'clock central time normally is when he puts them out. them out. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. Um so hard again sometimes people chip some people don't want to know that you know what i'm saying some people just don't want to know the truth about different situations and well, what do you think about it i think it's been a great i think it's a, those conversations that some people probably have amongst themselves but not in the mixed company as my mom used to say be careful what you say around mixed company and she wasn't talking about 
all black, all white, mixed or whatever. She was just talking about a lot of people don't always have your views. You know what I'm saying? So pay attention to who you're talking to. But I think he's doing a great job, which I'm sure led you to the conversation of Julian Edelman and Deshaun Jackson, you know, talking about two different heritages, but trying to be the same well, in a different conversation. Think about that. So everyone went ballistic as our, everyone's so triggered right now. It's Ooh. unbelievable. Right. Um, and so you had people saying, way to go, Deshaun, you idiot. Your team is owned and run by two Jewish men. Right. And they should fire you on the spot. And then you have Julian Edelman, who is Jewish, and says, you know what? Uh, I did not like what you put out on social media, but let's let let me take you to the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C., and right. you take me to the Museum of um, Black History. Yep. And then we go get burgers and have an uncomfortable conversation. Right. That's what we're talking about. Yep. That's what we're talking about in terms of putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Because I had a really interesting conversation yesterday with uh, someone who I really respect. And um, he was talking about um, a, a black preacher, guest preacher in his church, predominantly white church. And he was he was talking about how the preacher was able to make it a conversation where everyone in the church was listening and made it to where you wanted to put yourself in someone else's shoes. Right. And the compare contrast was the demands that were made by the student organizations at Texas. Right. Where it was demands. It wasn't a conversation. It was, we want this, we're not doing that, and, you know. And that's tough. That's a tough angle to come from. Sometimes you got to, you know, Sean always used to say, you get what you demand, so demand it. Right. Um, and I don't know how you have a conversation among thousands of people at once, and that's what we're talking about, 13,000 students signed the petition. And, and look, there's two ways, well, there's several ways to go about it, but the one that's going to bring about the most change in terms of the, you know, social injustice and just, again, really among my white brothers and sisters being willing to put themselves in another person's shoes and, you know, the image of one of their loved ones under the knee of the police officer in Minneapolis. That's how, that's where we have to go. That's where we have to get to. And I thought Julian Edelman represented that across the board with his video saying, hey, Deshaun. And Deshaun Jackson, if you're just tuning in, had posted on social media some quotes that were attributed to Hitler with regard to how blacks were being mistreated by Jews and that, you know, they will they will rally to our side, the the black men and women, because they've been mistreated by the Jews. And it obviously set off a firestorm. Right. Julian Edelman, who's Jewish, said, Hey, let's let's go to DC. I'll take you to the Holocaust Museum. You take me to the Museum of Black History, and then we talk about it. And that's I thought that was perfectly embodied 
yep. and by what Edelman said. Well, and that's the thing, too. The, the one thing that I always try to revert back to is everybody is quick to, to your point of we're triggered, we're ready to go, we're ready to attack, we're going we're gonna to show you, show you, show you. But where was that same energy when Riley Cooper was yelling at that security guard at that country in Western? And he ended up getting a contract extension, by the way, for those that really want to get back into it. But the point needs to be made of growth. You got to be able to grow. And Julian Edelman extending that branch of growth because it's an educational piece for both you and I. So you may have been ignorant in what you were saying, but I'm totally ignorant because I know nothing about the African-American history. So take me, let's talk, and I'll tell you some of the views that I had that I didn't understand to why you feel this way, and I'll show you some of the views to where you hurt the people that you said those things about. So let's have it, and that's cool, and that's the way it should be. It shouldn't be, I don't believe in what you believe in. It shouldn't be that. It should never get to that point. It should be, hey man, and you've been, you've done a really, really good job of pointing to the fact of just put yourself in someone else's shoes, and that, that is all that the people are asking. It's, it's like, well, what's going on in Washington D.C. Chicago Blackhawks, the Cleveland Indians. There's there's going to be change. And the problem that I truly have with people not wanting it is because it's not offensive to them, right? right. And that is the biggest thing. Well, I don't see why they got to change that. I don't see why. Because you're not offended by it. That's why. Right. If That's was, why if you it was see the that. Washington Crackers. Right, or yeah. the Caucasians. There was a dude that did an experiment the other day that had a shirt that said the Washington Caucasians on it. And the dude was like, nice redskin shirt. And he, he showed it to him. He was like, no, this ain't a redskin shirt. And he looked, he's like, you're a jerk. <laughs> it's like, why? You're offended by that? Why do you think we do when we walk past me? It's crazy, right. man. Right. It's crazy. Good stuff by uh, Julian Edelman. Yeah. And, and uh, get to the podcast page. What a week. Um, we got to, we, you know. We keep it moving, man. Keep it moving, baby. Yeah. And, uh, just know this, if there's no football, the rest of the sports at your favorite university are gone, too. All right, it is uh, the bottom line. And uh, Salty, you're the best. Hard, let's do it again on a Winners and Losers Monday. And in the immortal words of our brother from another mother, Sean Adams. The dream is free. The hustle sold separately. Wear your mask, wash your hands, stay healthy, and stay safe. Peace.